got two options. We can either keep telling ourselves that it's going to be fine and it's just a blip and, uh, you know, like things are settling, or we can start now working on another on another um, problem to solve. And, and that's exactly what we did. But I'll never forget that week when it was it went from being a record win to a record loss. And I was like, right, OK, well, <laughs> this is a really good moment for us to make this decision. This is My Product Tested, the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to the top and all the market validation that happened along the way. In studio, as always, from the Hype team, Miles Hofak and Cameron Calder, and here in studio today, Daniel Stott, CEO and founder of the growth fitness platform, Classify. Daniel and his founding team have spent the last two years building a platform that's on a mission to create wealth for personal trainers. Daniel, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me, Cameron. It's a, it's a genuine pleasure. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Good, good, to, good to connect. Yeah, Dan, I mean, it's now, uh, you know, almost two years that uh, Classify has been around, you know, and you guys have had some amazing traction to date, um, built an incredible platform in the midst of COVID and, you know, come out on the other side as somewhat of a beast of a company. And, you know, today for all the listeners, you know, what is Classify? Uh, sure. So thank, thanks for that. Um, we, we certainly hope to, to, to live up to that. Um, so mm-hmm. we provide a, um, a solution for personal trainers all around the world um, to build and grow their business. Um, personal training in whatever country you're in, when you go through the qualification process of becoming a qualified PT, you're trained really well on how the body works, you know, how to get clients results, you know, that's predominantly the, the curriculum. But what you don't necessarily get taught is how to be a self-employed business owner, how to generate leads, how to convert uh, clients, how to work on retention. Um, so all of those things are sort of left out. And for a personal trainer, they kind of have to figure it out themselves, figure it as they go. Um, so what we've done is we've created a, an all-in-one solution that has um, sales, uh, marketing capabilities. So everything from, um, we've got a, a combined social media inbox as an example. We've got an email marketing suite. It's got a, like a, a website in there. So everything you would need to sort of like run an online business is all in one place. So they can get rid of 10 subscriptions to 10 different bits of software, trying to stitch it all together. And we just offer them one really, really easy, easy to use solution. Um, hopefully that that kind of that kind of covers it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we've obviously taken an extensive look at your site and uh, social channels just to understand a bit more about the business and, you know, a nice sort of intro nurturing funnel that you have is kind of this questionnaire where you actually get verified as to to whether you qualify as the right person for the fit, which is which is really great. And, you know, all of that experience of building something like that and building the product that has all of these amazing features to offer you know kind of exactly what they need. Um, and, you know, getting to a place where you have the experience to build a platform like this comes from, you know, previous companies you've worked with, the people that you surround yourself, your network. How is, you know, working at the like uh, companies like Just Eat and, you know, other companies that you've worked at over, 
your sort of uh, career experience? How has that kind of shaped and influenced you building Classify when you first started? Uh, so massively, I'd, I'd say the when you when you start in a business, probably the most important thing is is your network. Um, I feel so incredibly grateful that myself. And I have two co-founders. Uh, one of them, um, we worked together at Just Eat. And, you know, we, we were there from 2010. So, you know, pre-Series A funding. And then we both left six years later. So by that point, we'd gone through an IPO. I think it was the UK's largest tech IPO um, at that stage. And then he and I both worked internationally. So myself on sales, building out all of the, the sales teams um, internationally, um, and then he, him on the product side. And the people we met along the journey, when we, were, when we first got started with Classify, we just asked everybody for advice. So we reached out to all of the amazing people we knew in our network, and we just said, hey, we've got this idea. Like, what do you think? Pick holes in it. Um, and... They, there's the old there's the old saying if you ask for advice you can often get money and if you ask for money you get advice and in those early days when we were sort of um, we were bootstrapping the business but we needed angel funding um, it was that networking particularly the Just Eat network that chipped in and and I think maybe like sixty percent of all of our investment has come from either um, current Just Eat people or former Just Eat people so. Sure. Network was really important. Um, uh, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing that uh, you you sort of realized early enough that your your network is amazing, you know. Uh, that's part of, uh, I guess, your, your broader growth strategy when it comes to getting the word out there. Uh, but when you started, when you launched, what was the that original problem that you were trying to solve? So, do you know what? It's a great question because it's a completely different problem than what we're solving now. So as always with these things. Um, so when we when we first launched in November 2020, um, there was a it was in the middle of all of the lockdown. So all around the world, gyms and studios had closed down and um, personal trainers, yoga teachers, Pilates teachers were all immediately out of work. And because they were all self-employed, unable to make money. And a lot of them had sort of moved towards doing Instagram lives or like trying to send out Zoom links or using PayPal. And there wasn't really an easy way for them to create a, a really a really quick tech solution that gave them the opportunity to have a, a subscription-based service and an easy-to-use two-way video format um, for their audience and basically to monetize their following, if, if you will. And now there's lots of companies in the space, but back in back in August when we first um, incorporated Classify, there wasn't really anybody else in the market um, doing that. So the problem we were so, well, helping solve was we wanted to give these guys and girls the opportunity to make revenue while all of the gyms and studios were closed down. So that was the original concept. And then when all of the gyms and studios reopened, the sort of like the, the the tide changed and the and the problem then didn't then the problem then went away uh, because they got money back from where they used to get money the gyms and studios so we pivoted the whole business at that time to sort of get away from that original concept but that that was the original concept in its uh, heyday yeah mm. and I mean I mean you you're solving that specific problem with 
a product solution. Um, yes. And and back then, you know, you know what what was that actual first product that you guys launched with? Was it a hack together kind of system to get people on to a, a platform where they could just take money, or, or was it the actual just video side? How did that all work? So we so we didn't want to reinvent particular wheels. So we didn't want to go and build a competitor to Zoom as an example. Uh, we didn't have the budget or the technical expertise to do that. But what we could what what we could do is we could create websites that integrated payment solutions that already existed and also um, Zoom. So we created uh, we did it in WordPress and um, so my co-founder Jim um, created a way that Basically, Zoom Zoom classes um, could be auto. So basically, Zoom classes could be automatically once it was a live class, it would automatically be uploaded on demand. So he put a little bit of clever code into WordPress. So um, a yoga teacher, as an example, could teach a live class in the morning, and then it would upload into their on-demand section without them needing to do anything manual whatsoever. Well, they, that actually existed, but we just sort of created a unique way of stitching together those bits of software to sort of create, I guess, what was our our V1, our our M, MMVP, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, once once you have that existing product, then I mean, that's kind of what everyone saw that, you know, all of these trainers and stuff were at home, basically twiddling their fingers going, you know, how are we going to actually continue our career here? And everyone jumped to this new format to going, well, I'll just do video content, but not actually having the right accessibility to distribute the content and then monetize it. Um, once that sort of changed over time and, you know, uh, I know we were back in the UK two years ago. So every month things were changing. We were, you know, in lockdown, then out of lockdown, we were wearing yeah. masks, no masks. Um, and we got to a place where, we could actually train somewhat for a week at a time and then later it got opened up. When did you kind of realize that that MVP was no longer useful and we, we needed to adapt this and evolve it? No, honestly, I, I mean, if I'm going to um, be hard on, on myself and, and, and our founding team, um, probably a little bit later than we should have, uh, to be completely honest. You know, we talked earlier um, about kind of, having emotions and sentiment attached to, to a problem. So we, we'd raised um, like £350,000 of angel funding from mostly, well, it, predominantly our network. So all people that we knew that we pitched this idea that actually, even when gyms and studios reopen, people will still want to work out at home. Uh, people will still want to run their own little businesses and, and I guess sometimes you can get high off your like your own sort of like um, um, you know your own notions and what and what you think the world is going to look like. And we we mm. sold it so often to other people that we were now selling it to ourselves. And and I remember the exact moment it was in it was at the end of March and we had a record sales week. I think we onboarded twenty seven instructors and these were instructors all around the world. So in almost, I think we had 37 countries we had uh, instructors in. So it was a record sales month and then uh, a week. And then the following week we signed up one. So it went from a record to another record, uh, the wrong type of record. And at that point we sat down and said, right, okay, we probably should have seen this coming, but it's happening now. Um, 
we've got two options. We can either keep telling ourselves that it's going to be fine and it's just a blip and, uh, you know, like things are settling or we can start now working on another on another um, problem to solve. And, and that's exactly what we did. But I'll never forget that week when it was it went from being a record win to a record loss. And I was like, right, OK, well, <laughs> this is a really good moment for us to make this decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny because Cam was actually telling me when sort of the lockdown started here that uh, he's going to try this crazy push-up challenge and he's going to you know do this for three three weeks every day. He's going to complete 100 push-ups. I think on day five, I asked Cam how it was going and he said, no, he, he's not training anymore. So <laughs> so I think in that time, it was it was so crazy and people were so inspired and wanted to try and train at home. But, it, it you know, it became yeah. difficult. So, you know, over, over that COVID, that initial sort of shock of COVID, the market had to change so drastically. But uh, going to the launch of your uh, your MVP and you know the, the months leading after that, what were sort of the main metrics that were that you were looking at to prove market validation? So, again, if I could go back and have our time again, then we'd probably be tracking um, more metrics than we did, mm. or, or slightly different metrics. So, so we were we were looking at obviously um very very obvious things like number of um we we had we had a pretty strong sales metric so we understood how many um instructors were we speaking to and where were they coming from so we had a good idea what was inbound what was outbound and what was what were referrals um and then the conversion rates off the back of those different sort Mm -hmm. of channels um so we hadn't we started to do paid social media as well back then and and we didn't track it very well that that was a really bad mm. we 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 looked at the number of leads we were getting from social media and got excited and then it took us about a month to realize that none of them were actually converting to paying um clients on the other side so that was something mm. that i wish we would have tracked a little bit better a little bit sooner um we weren't really tracking the the performance of the website. If I'm being completely honest, we didn't have anyone in the team who who, who specialised at all in that area. So that was kind of a bit of a a bit of an unknown. My my background's always been in uh, in sales, so as you'd expect, you know, leading with strengths and going right. Okay, we're just going to measure really tightly everything that's coming in and out of the sales funnel. So we had those metrics. Um, hmm. We had NPS, which was. We tracked uh, pretty consistently. Areas that I think we could have done better on back then was we probably didn't track attendance rates in the classes being run by those instructors. So that could have potentially been a leading indicator as to what's going to happen when things reopen. We, we, we just, hmm. we weren't as close to that. And the numbers were there. It's just that we didn't necessarily have anyone in the business that, had the time or we just we hadn't prioritized it so there's some things we did really well tracking but then yeah. quite a lot that we didn't do yeah and then that just going back to that record sales week you know what what were the biggest learnings or insights from that week and how did you sort of maintain that that growth or that hype or, or excitement uh in educating you know future prospects to to join the platform i think with with that record sales week it was it, when I look back on it now, it, it, it was more of a, a situational thing. So I think everybody knew that the world was opening up again. Um, 
So I think it was kind of like a lot of people were seeing this as like a last roll of the dice and, and let me get involved in this before like the world changes. So I think there was a little bit of that. And um, we were also running, um, so we we realized the um, how important competitions are. It's not something that I ever do. So as a, as a, as a, it's really hard when people say to me like, oh, we, if we run a competition, more people will sign up. Or if we do something that creates a sense of like competitive um, edge. Um, but that worked for us. So what we were doing back then is we were, um, we had, Everyone who was, we had the top, uh, sorry, we had a uh, hundred instructors who signed up. We were going to give um, a small amount of equity to. So it was like become a shareholder in the business. And we created quite a lot of hype around that. So that was something that we did and it worked really well. Um, and then obviously the literally the following week, all of those things, like we reached the number of people. So we closed that competition off. And then the world sort of opened up and we went from the peak to the trough within two days. So, and then you're kind of in a place where you need to make up that lost revenue or at least you, I mean, you're burning cash pretty quickly because you you had this uh, amazing revenue prior to that and hitting these record months and you're doing all these forecasting over the next sort of six months that's looking amazing. And then you have this dip and you kind of have to reevaluate this growth strategy or even from a sales strategy perspective. Um, you spoke a bit about, you know, paid social and what you guys were doing on that for, from an acquisition perspective. Did, did that change when you kind of shifted to your version two of, of the product and business? How, how did that change? Yeah, massively. So, so we, I mean, I, I'll talk today about tons of mistakes that we made because because we've made more more we've probably done more things way more things wrong than we've done right. If I'm being <laughs> completely honest, um, and when we when we made the pivot, we I, when I when I look back on it, I'm trying to like understand why we did it. Um, but but we did what we decided to do was we said right, okay, we're going to solve this problem for personal trainers. Um, we understood the issue, the challenges that they had. And the way that we went about solving it originally was we decided to reinvent the wheel, uh, which we'd said we weren't going to do. We'd proven that we didn't need to do that in the last one, but we decided we were going to do that. So we had some money left over um, from the previous funding round and we had a, a team of like highly skilled people. So then we embarked on this sort of, uh, we wanted to build our own version uh, for workout software to be delivered. So we wanted to help personal trainers be able to send digital workouts to, to clients to do in the gym or at home. Now, there's already some very big companies that nail this, um, you know, similar to Zoom on, on video. Um, so Trainerize and MyPT Hub and, you know, um, you know, there's, there's a few that are that are out there that are that are really reputable. We decided we'd build it ourselves, which then turned into a a situation where we couldn't necessarily grow as a business because we needed to build we needed the technology build to happen. So we're investing in building this software and then the rest of the team are sort of building the pipeline of potential customers that can come on board. So during that very, very, very challenging five or six months, we went and we did a crowdfunding campaign. Um, so we did that through Cedars um, in the UK. And there was a, a moment in time where we realized that this one 
bit of product that we were trying to build. When we did some user testing with it, they basically turned around and said to us, we don't care about this actual bit of software. We genuinely don't care. This makes no difference to our business whatsoever. We just want it to work. And at the time, it didn't work. <laughs> it definitely didn't work. It didn't work very well. So when we sort of like asked them around, well, what are you benefiting from? They they sort of said, well, we're benefiting from all the support you're giving us, um, the sales and marketing you're helping us grow our business. This is how we deliver our business. And we don't need any help doing that because there's other things in the market that do that really well. And at that moment, we realized, ah, what have we done? We've, you know, like there's that whole, um, um, the sunk cost fallacy. So we'd spend like maybe like 150, 200,000 pounds on this technology build that we just decided one morning, we're just going to throw it away. There is no point in pursuing down this path will change this whole concept, listen to our customers, listen to the feedback, and then uh, take that and create a product that we could sell. So it was November last year when we really were able to sort of like hit the accelerator again after five really difficult months um, of uh, of trying to do something that, that our customers actually didn't want, which was, uh, yeah, that was that was a tough time, but I'm glad we went through it. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to be in that it's that sunken um, cost fallacy that you the whole team struggling with as well because it's yeah. not just uh, um, cash that you're sinking it's you know it's the team's resources and excitement about the opportunity that's coming exactly, um, exactly. and to be in, to be in that position and then also you know to be in a very humbling position where you can go you know our, our customers aren't actually looking for this 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 is the wrong product for us. Yeah, it was it was really hard, and and what made it even more hard was in August last year we were we were just about to kick off the crowdfunding campaign, and we had to do some layoffs within the business because the the burn rate was too high, and we had no idea how successful the crowdfunding campaign was going to be. So we had to make some really difficult um, decisions and lay and and lay some of the team off. Which I'd probably say that's one of the it, it's. Pr- arguably one of the most challenging days of my entire professional career because we Mm. spend myself and my two co-founders spent all day on calls the first half of the day laying people off and then the second half of the day speaking to colleagues to let them know that their other colleagues who who they cared a lot about were were, were, you know being let go so Mm. really tough day and we spoke a lot with our um lead investors at the time and it was the right thing to do um but it was really tough. So you've kind of got a demoralized team. Customers are not really wanting what you're creating. Um, you're making really tough decisions. And all the while, we were going through a crowdfunding campaign where we were sort of like getting hyped and excited. So it was like a bit Jekyll and Hyde. We had two mm. sides of the business going on. We knew that we would get there and we were selling the future. But the actual here and now was actually really challenging. So it was, uh, I'd say August was probably the yeah. toughest month for us as a business. But uh, Dan, just, you know, the what happened after that month? You know, obviously now the team's a little bit stressed down out of it, um, you know, not feeling good about maybe the future of the business. What was your recovery like after that point? And since that that day, that really, really difficult day, what is the team meant to you and the business? So it's, you know, on that, what we thought, what was the most difficult day for me 
was probably I genuinely the team took it so well and it's a testament to how they are with each other and how we are as a team we've got a very flat structure where we're all friends and we can all talk to each other there's no real hierarchy and we're super transparent honest um and the way that we'd sort of built the culture of the team they just the resilience and the bounce back ability of the team they were just right we're all in we'll help out as much as we possibly can and from from that moment going through i guess after that when things started to work and then we turned the growth taps on in november and you know we look back on that i mean we're in a super fortunate position now we've been growing 20% month on month um you know the product market fit is starting to happen and you know I don't know, eight months ago, we were in a totally different position. So the the, the team have really earned it. But yeah, to, the way they treated each other and the way they were with each other and the culture that, you know, they've, we've all done, all worked on together has been uh, like incredible. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, you're kind of shifting away from where you first started when you're solving that problem of, um, some would say accessibility where, you know, people don't actually know uh, what to use or what actual specific payment gateways or how they're going to accept payments and continue their career. Um, and then you, you made a note that you've kind of changed that problem over time that you're solving and you've built a, not a completely new business, but a adaptation and evolution of where you first started. Are you yeah. solving a similar problem today? Would you say it's more uh, an educational, more resource problem that you're solving that these uh, kind of founders of these fitness, whether they be small or large, just don't have access to that you guys are providing that or, or, or what, what is that problem today that you're solving? So it's, if you, if you take um, a bunch of steps backwards, we're, we're helping independent health and wellness professionals grow their revenue. So from that perspective, we're, we're, you know, uh, we're achieving the same result with two very, very, very different products. And the products that we have now is geared specifically at this moment in time um, to personal trainers, whereas before the our target client was anyone who did uh, classes. So uh, Pilates, hit pole dancing, like every type of class. Um, whereas now we're focused on personal trainers. And when we... I guess from a um, from a software and from a product perspective, we're actually doing way more now than we were originally because right now we're helping manage their entire lead flow. We're helping manage their marketing campaigns. We're uh, building their websites. We're helping them with um, ongoing client retention, um, generating testimonials and referrals. So we're actually doing a lot more now than we were originally. And kind of the way we've gone about it is, We've built some things ourselves, we've white labeled other things, and then we sort of outsourced um, and we've partnered with others. So they come to us as a one-stop shop, but we've got three different options. So we've pulled together by using those different um, formats, um, you know, thank you, Zapier, and, and other bits of software <laughs> that allowed us yeah. to create like a really cool um, system for personal trainers now where they don't have to worry about it. And we've built, so we, I mean, like, like I said, we, we, um, we white label a bunch of stuff. We use, uh, we integrate with things like Typeform and Trello and existing tools. Um, 
So we've kind of created this like uh, Frankenstein, but from the personal trainer's perspective, it just feels like a really nice. Ex- they don't see it's like the swan, isn't it? There's, so there's a swan on the lake, and the feet are pedaling furiously, and we've kind of like patchwork quilt this solution. But for them, it just feels really easy, really super sexy and slick, and they don't have to worry or think about it. It's all done for them. So we're now at the point where we're figuring out whether which of these components are great which of these components can we do a better job of which of these do we want to keep white labeling uh do we want to how do we want to iterate now and over the next six months we'll be making those decisions versus should we keep doing this with type form or should we create our own version or you know is there something better in the market um and then the other thing is like, what can we build on top of this sort of thing that we've created already? Um, so they're the conversations we're having now from a product perspective, which are exciting conversations to have when things are working. It's a lot more challenging to have them when nothing works. So yeah. grateful. Yeah, it sounds a like things are... always, Yeah, a decision always needs to be made when you get that Zapier bill at the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that's one of the one thing there around. Um, it's it's figuring out where the where the value lies in in those things. So some things are just really really bloody good, and it's like you know we don't we don't want to be a a form building business. So you know maybe type forms a really good solution, but actually maybe this particular thing here, we can do a much better job because it doesn't actually do exactly what we need it to. So now we're in those conversations to sort of um, think about what's what's the best solution for, for the people who, for the clients that we serve, for personal trainers. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you're at such an exciting time in the business. You know, you're in that rapid growth stage and it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, what the path looks like from this point. You probably can't share too much with us, but what does the product roadmap look like going into the future and how are you prioritizing which features you release next? uh, To be fair, it's one of the things that, so if we, as we, as we, as we look forwards and we think about what, what it is that we want to create, we've kind of got, we've got a few different options ahead of us. One is we can do 85% of the job. So be really good at working and building this uh, business for personal trainers and then maybe move into different verticals. So like, you know, personal trainers are just one example of a self-employed person who needs to run an online business. Another could be life coaches or, you know, you drag and drop anyone who's a self-employed entrepreneur that doesn't have um, you know, advanced sales marketing understanding or, or or technology. So that's definitely one one option that we potentially would look at. And then another option is is taking it from eighty five percent to a hundred percent. So really sitting down with our customers and saying, okay, we've built you something that you really enjoy that works. What more can we do? Like, where can we take this now? to make their life even easier where they can make even more revenue in a more efficient way. So we're kind of, um, we'll probably explore both. I don't think we'll raise enough funding in our next funding round to tackle both of those things at the same time. So, you know, we'll, we'll decide as a business where, where we want to focus our, our time and attention. Um, but 
that 85% to 100%, I get really excited about that because that's when you're pioneering then. You, the, when you're creating things that just don't exist in the market at all. Um, and that's that's a really exciting, uh, exciting uh, concept that my co-founder, Jim, um, our CTO, that's, you know, he, he, he lives in that area. So he, he's always he's thinking, I can't wait to tackle that problem. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Dan, just to step back from the future, you've, you've now, before you started Classify, you, you typically, you know, being a founder, you have this, this amazing dream ahead of you and, you know, you're solving a problem and uh, somewhat, I would imagine, you know, scratching your own itch with this solution. Um, and your mindset back then is very much about, you know, we're solving this immediate solution and this is going to be the greatest product ever. Um, somewhat naive as well, entering into the market. And then, you know, fast forward two years later, you've now looked back at all of these challenges that you've overcome and a lot of mistakes that have been made, but also a lot of great wins. Uh, or what's the sort of mindset shift when you first started and when you were entering into building the product as to, you know, where you guys are now? Um, I'd say the 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 biggest mindset shift is is probably so when when we um when we went into this um the first word out of my mouth in any conversation with anyone was unicorn that's it's literally I, that was where where our mindset was it's we'd you know we'd been part of one you know with with just eat and it was like we want to build a vc backed runaway train that's going to be a billion dollar valuation and and you know by solving this problem and and you know that sort of mindset has definitely shifted it's definitely shifted now so right now our goal um that we'd like to achieve October is time. Um, our goal is to um, achieve profitability and actually build a great business. Um, now we'll want to raise further rounds of funding. We'll want to take this as far as we can go. But we're thinking first about cash flow and making sure that we're doing the right things and and you know we're we're building a good solid business versus we're trying to do something to impress everybody else and, and, you know, have insane growth and have loads of money thrown at us and seeing what's happening in the market right now with companies that have prioritized sort of celebrity and PR and big funding rounds where they make huge losses. Now we're starting to see the, the, the ripple effects in the market um, of, of what happens down the line. So, now we're laser focused on just building a really good business that we can grow and not trying to do it in two years. Like if it takes five years, 10 years, that's fine. But the the stress of trying to do it all today or yesterday, that's a lot, you know, it's, it's a big noose around your neck when you kick off with that type of mindset where everything needs to be done yesterday. Whereas, yeah, so that's a, a huge mindset shift that, that I particularly probably more so than my two co-founders. I've had to really swing like a pendulum to thinking a lot more sensibly uh, about growth. Yeah. I get, I guess it's uh you know, it's not just you, it's the, the team as a whole and you, you're kind of building that momentum. And if you're running too fast that everyone's falling behind, then, that's where a toxic work environment starts coming out and, you know, people start leaving the company and your employee retention starts dropping. 
Um, so Dan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an, an epic recording and super insightful. And um, I think thank you very much for being so honest and you know sharing the challenges that you've had. Um, I think you know with those challenges, the the company wouldn't be where it is today, and you know where it's going. Um, and whether it's two years or five years, we definitely want to get you back in the studio and and hear where you guys are at. Amazing. Well, look, thank you, Cameron and Miles, for, for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Always like talking about the things that went wrong in the past. It always, <laughs> always makes things feel so much better in the future. <laughs> exactly. And but, but focusing on the learnings is, is, is the key insights, I think. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. That's uh, Daniel Stutt, co-founder of Growth Fitness Platform Classify. We'll catch you guys next week for another episode of My Product Tested. Cool. What do you think? It's an amazing business that uh, I guess was, you know, it's obviously still very young. It was, it was birthed at a really unique time in that market in the UK, but in markets around the world. And I think they've done amazingly well to maintain consistent growth, uh, stick to their guns, stick to what they believe in. And as a result, they're seeing more and more trainers sign up to their platform and yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes from this point yeah i mean uh the man himself could not be more perfect for this role i mean he's 100 energetic enthusiastic he's like the type of guy that would round up loads of people yeah. and get them to buy into the product and then follow through and make millions from it um so i mean perfect like person product fit I'm not even a personal trainer. I might have to uh, sign up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Another great episode from um, My Product Tested. That was Daniel Stott, CEO and co-founder of the growth fitness platform, Classify. Uh, We'll check you guys next week. Cheers for now. Nice one, boss. Shit week. You seem to...